Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to travel to New York and we're going to talk about tokenization because also in the US, just like in Switzerland, people are looking into any opportunities related to tokenization because it's related to getting access to investment opportunities for more people, being more efficient, all kinds of things like this. But also it's a different kind of regulatory framework and philosophy in the US. So I'm very curious to find out more about it. And we're going to talk to Nadine from Say Currency, and we're going to talk about tokenization. Welcome. How are you today, Nadine? Hello, Rudy. Thank you so much for having me. Brilliant. So tell us, how did you get to do what you do these days? Because as I always say, maybe you couldn't really study tokenization in college or something like this. So how did you become a founder and a CEO in a tokenization company? Let me tell you, Rudy, everything I've done in my 30-year career, you don't learn in college. So I, I started my career in banking and I have a good 30 years of experience in that area. In my last job, I was the head of digital for State Street, and I got the good fortune discovering the currency. We had invested in them. So I am the CEO, unfortunately not a founder, but we invested okay. in them. I got to sit on their board, and I really loved the mission that they were setting out to do, the mission and vision of Dan Doney, who's the founder and the CTO of the company today, which was really looking to untap liquidity throughout the market. So I fell in love with that caught the, the bug earlier on. And it was a good opportunity to move from a large institution to a startup and really try to make a dent in modernizing the infrastructure of capital markets. I see. So let's dive into it. What is the problem that the currency is solving? And secondly, why is it worth solving? Because I often say, unfortunately, there are many problems in this world, but it's sometimes not economically viable to sort them. So how does this work? in your line of business. That is, you're spot on. There's a lot of problems out there that one doesn't need to worry about. But I think this one is is worthwhile. We're really trying to solve for creating an ecosystem and a platform where we can start to modernize the capital market infrastructure. So the pipes that we work on are very robust. They're scalable. They've been around for 50, 60 years. But with the, with the evolution, if you will, of digital assets, we found a way to do things better, faster, and cheaper. It is more, it is more accessible to all, and it serves a couple of functions. But they don't, that, those digital assets can't reach their full potential until there's better rails and a better infrastructure. That's the why. That's the why we're solving for, which is really to create an ecosystem where digital assets can thrive and introduce a much better, faster, and more efficient ecosystem for all. I see. So tokenization and digital assets and financial inclusions, they go hand in hand. But what about the suitability, however? Are illiquid assets made more liquid through tokens and therefore they are suitable for everyone, 
recently went to a panel where there were some skeptics and they were saying like, yeah, you can tokenize private markets, but should anybody be investing in something illiquid like in private equity with a few thousand dollars or not because maybe they cannot afford the losses from this? What's your view on this financial inclusion and how far can we go so that we don't endanger retail investors? And that's a great question, Rudy. For protection is job one. That's the concern of our regulators and the concern of any financial institution. It's important to note that these tech companies and tokenization itself isn't changing the risk profile of anything, right? So yes, they're democratizing. Yes, they're making it more accessible. But we all, we, we all should still exert prudence the way we would invest in the, in the current market. If you're going to go out and buy a share of Apple, chances are you may or may not be able to afford that the same way you can on some of the liquid assets, right? So I don't know if it's really changing the risk profile, but it's definitely making it more accessible. And tokenization alone can't change the liquidity sphere, but it does enable more liquidity in the marketplace. Tokenization has two, I think in my mind, two functions. One, you just hinted to it, right? It in theory should allow for more liquidity, but in order for that liquidity to be there, you need more adoption. On the flip side of that, there is also, when you look at the infrastructure a lot of a lot of the larger legacy banks, big investment managers, there is really a desperate need to modernize the middle and the back offices to be able to ensure that that, the, that they have more, there's more efficiency in there. And I think tokenization allows you to do that. Just look at how much money we're spending right now to move from T plus, T plus three and two to T plus one. It's an enormous amount of money, time and effort that's going in there today. In, in a digital world, you can settle atomically right here and there with finality of settlement. So tokenization does allow for the modernization of the pipe. It will afford a certain level of democratization of asset classes that were out of reach for people like me. And now if I do want to own a fraction of a building, it is possible. But obviously, to your earlier point, you shouldn't invest what you can't afford to lose. And you should ensure that you're always practicing good risk management practices. So the tools don't create the risk. They create that opportunity, but we all need to continue to exert common sense and good risk management. So this leads me to the next question. So what do you tokenize? Because some people also say, what in the world in the future will not be tokenized? Everything. So you mentioned the building. What else are we talking about? Oh my God, you could tokenize anything. What are your priorities at the moment? I mean, for security right now, what we're focused on is where our clients are asking us to help them help them solve issues around private assets. So those are this is where we're focused most right now and really helping them understand how they can introduce better efficiencies for private equity or uh, close them uh, funds and so on. So that's the that is the big proof of concept that clients are looking at right now. They're also looking to figure out a better way to increase the velocity of collateral through tokenization. And I'll tell you the third use case is actually tokenizing. Um, so it's all about the tokenization of real world assets. I want to be clear on that. And that's it. The third large use case that we're seeing are clients looking to tokenize publicly traded securities, mainly outside of the US where we're doing that, where again, it goes back to your previous questions on accessibility. You may want to invest in a couple of shares of Apple's, Apple or Tesla, but can't afford the full share, want a quarter of that. The ability of being able to fractionalize that and make that available is is affording others to be able to invest and grow their wealth. And then, Rudy, I'll say the last mega piece de 
Renaissance here that uh, Security has rolled out in partnership with Wisdom Tree is a really interesting and new and novel way for this new generation to consume financial products. So through Wisdom Tree Prime, our clients have been, Wisdom Tree has been able to take the entire Security platform and create a much better client experience around the monetization of their mutual funds to be able to pay, invest, and bank through one app. So it's something fairly novel in the marketplace. But again, it is affording um, the ability for people to to invest and uh, plan for a better future through accumulation of wealth through a platform that is dedicated to tokenization. All right, that's great. Very exciting. Let me pick on one point you made earlier when you were answering this one. You were talking about private equity, closed funds, etc. So will tokenization create more competition in the secondary market as well, or what's going to happen there? It, it will create a bit more transparency and liquidity, but first and foremost, it's going to create more efficiency. You think about this today, it takes an army of people every time there's a deal to take in the data, to plug it into spreadsheets, to, to reconcile it, to then reconcile it again, right? It takes 30, 40, 50 days sometimes to get a deal from trade date to settlement date. What tokenization will do is bring is compress these times quite a bit. It will create efficiencies so they won't be as expensive as they are today to be able to manage and administer. Now, the theory would be, and we don't know that, Rudy, we're just speculating because there's not a lot of adoption in the marketplace, but when you do have these tokens, you should be able to swap them more efficiently and in theory should have more liquidity. So yes, there'll be transparency, liquidity, and hopefully more competition, which is always a good thing. Understood, understood. So let's clarify once again, who are your key clients? Are you a B2B business or you for investors, you offer tokenization services or you also have a B2C angle to it where you say, look, we also create our own tokens. Let's come and buy them. Not that we are doing in a securities promotion here or just curious though. we are we are a technology shop so we are a b2b we tend to work with some of the world's largest and most sophisticated asset gatherers i mentioned wisdom tree we also have the likes of us bank and state street among our investors who also are some of our strategic partners but also working across the globe with and you can guess who these they are but they tend to be large banks large investment managers all really looking to leverage the power of tokenization. And then Rudy, I would also say like when you when you look at like how tokenization has evolved, I would say after the events that we saw in the third and fourth quarter in 22 with the collapse of FTX and suddenly everything around crypto became very toxic, you saw a lot of the traditional leaders from the likes of BlackRock and JP Morgan and everybody else really coming out in support of saying, guys, the technology is very sa- it's very stable, it's safe, and everybody's espousing the, the attributes of tokenization. So that is the world we're dealing with with we don't issue our tokens we don't we don't trade our tokens we're a technology driven company that's really geared to solve these big complex problems that our clients are facing and modernizing their infrastructure and also trying to feature proof their infrastructure through token I see but you touched on that so let's talk about it is crypto market volatility affecting your business? And if yes, how? It is not. It is not. As I said, we don't trade crypto. We don't mine it. We don't own it. And so it, it doesn't. What we're, who we're dealing with, are, that doesn't mean you couldn't run crypto on our rails, but what we're seeing is clients tend to run real world assets on our rails. So we have not been impacted by that. 
All right, but in terms of sentiment, what you're saying is your B2B clients, they distinguish clearly between crypto, blockchain, digital assets, it sounds, right? It does now, Rudy. It took us a while to get there, but it does now. (laughs) Okay, all right, got it. And I know it's hard to predict future, but at least a little bit for this year. You talked about what are the priorities when it comes to tokenization for you, but anything new that you see on the horizon for an industry, are we now going to see tokenizations in sports or in port infrastructure or what have you where do you see any assets that were not touched by tokenization yet to be finally tokenized in 2023 i am i know i'm going to sound like i'm bragging but i really believe a lot of you're going to see a lot of things getting tokenized from and we're starting to see that i think a couple of days ago i saw one airline and i apologize i don't remember which airline it was but they're starting to issue their tickets in in, in via tokens and in, in non-fungible tokens nfts so we're seeing that i think you're going to see a big explosion in the gaming markets as well and so i think what you're going to see is the world moving towards to- to- tokenization. Earlier this week, Rudy, I don't know if you or your listeners have seen this, but Citibank issued a 150 plus page report really talking about tokenization and, and really covering the world of gaming, financial services, and other related areas. From MNF, and I'm lumping tokenization and NFTs together because it is the, the process of digitizing things. But I think in arts, in day-to-day utilities, as well as financial services and gaming, we're going to we're going to see that and, and the growth they're projecting is just humongous. There's a lot to, to plan for and to look forward to. Okay, it sounds great, but let's focus on one thing that I picked up on when I went to an arts conference talking about digital assets. And there was a speaker saying that, look, but also please pay attention to the fact that to create an FD costs money, right? It's not for free. So at some point, people were going to Ethereum and they were paying the gas fees. They were not happy. There was a competition and there were other blockchain protocols. Now Ethereum merged. So maybe that's also more efficient, etc. But back in the day, it could have been that you needed an equivalent of $750 to create your NFT. So if you didn't get $60 million for that picture, then maybe you didn't, right? So you, collect, you collected the money. And then I guess you kept it and nobody got any NFT. So no, not to be too negative, but my question is more about which blockchain protocols do you leverage today? How did you decide on the ones that you are leveraging using? Rudy, that's a good question. And I think it goes back to the comment you made when we opened up this podcast that there's certain problems not worth solving, right? So obviously there's got to be a cost benefit before you engage into any level of tokenization. Now to answer your question directly, Securency has not built any blockchain protocols, right? So we are chain agnostic, we're asset agnostic. In most of our corporate clients will run on private on private chains. So the issue of gas isn't isn't quite an issue for them, at least not right now. And we continue to watch the evolution of these platforms that to your point are becoming a lot more efficient. Our clients, most of our clients tend to run on a version of Hyperledger. Most of them are on Hyperledger basis. So the issue of gas is not a problem. And then over time, obviously having some of these, having your assets in a token 
organized format also could encourage a peer-to-peer community community that emerges, but obviously it's going to be done on an efficient platform. Not By not creating our own network, by being open, interoperable, that's how we deal with this situation and really let it up to the users and the sponsors to decide how to manage that at their, within the business models that are applicable to them. So we talk about enterprise blockchain solution, private, hyperledger or others. So yes, it's not relevant, of course, understood. So still, even though you talk about private blockchains, you talk about consortium blockchains, etc. How do you deal with changing and uncertain regulatory environment when it comes to this, right? You have all kinds of discussions about, is this a security? Is this not a security? Some countries are a bit clearer on this. Other countries are only getting there. How do you deal with all this? Uh, it's not easy, I bet. It is not, Rudy, at all. But I do want to, I want to be clear that the act of tokenizing is not a regulated function, right? It's what you do with the aftermath of this. The beauty of our our company is founded on something that our founder, Dan Doney, thought about a long time ago, is to ensure that there is a comprehensive, compliance-aware token infrastructure that underpins our entire technology. The way I think about it, because I'm not a technologist, is we actually put the system in the token where historically you had many systems that followed the asset, right? If you had a an equity, you had a separate system. If you had a fixed income asset, you had a separate system. In our environment, what we do is we actually insert the we insert the system in the token, and we have been able to also insert the various compliance frameworks in that token. If you're trading, for example, a private asset in the U.S., you've got to be aware of the 144A rules. It's baked in there, and it will prevent you from doing anything that violates these rules. So there is what we've done is we've tried to comply with the rules and not push, but we're not regulated. Our technology isn't regulated. But if you look at what we've done with Wisdom Tree, Wisdom Tree had to seek approvals, for example, to be able to tokenize one of the most highly regulated instruments in the U.S., which is a 40 Act fund, as It took them years to work with the SEC. We've worked in partnership with them and adapted our technology in a way that gave the SEC comfort around, you just talked, you asked me about forking and different things of a chain or if there's a quantum attack on a chain. So those were things that were very, that the SEC was concerned about and the the security technology has adapted to respond to that. But our technology isn't regulated. It's the funds that are regulated. And we just ensure that the funds can do what they need to do in an automated way to be in compliance with whatever regulatory framework they're operating under. All right. Understood. That's clear. So you already started hinting at some of your successes, but let's brag a bit more. Can you mention (laughs) some of the successful case studies of your work in financial services? I would say right now, the the biggest use case is the Wisdom Tree one. The others, unfortunately, are not public and I can't talk about them. But the Wisdom Tree one is really revolutionary when you think about how this new generation emerging will consume financial services. To be able to take a gold fund, which Wisdom Tree is the second largest manager of ETF of gold ETFs in Europe, I believe, they've been able to take that mutual fund, that that fund, they've been able to tokenize it and fractionalize it. Rudy, you as a as a Wisdom Tree client 
for the first time ever, you can monetize this fund. Today, in order for you to get money out of your fund, you've got to sell shares, right? Wait for them to settle, then take the money back and move it to your bank account and do something with it. With what the team at Wisdom Tree has done with partnership with Securency is if you right now walk into a Starbucks and you don't have money and your Apple Pay for whatever reason isn't working, you can actually use your gold shares to buy yourself a cup of coffee. It's been integrated into payment rails, so you can move monies around. So you can invest, you can you can bank, and you can pay with leveraging your funds. That is revolutionary. They've also disrupted the whole distribution model. So they've evolved their model to a BBC very nicely in a way that, that works with a generation that's very mobile and digital savvy. So that is the bragging component of this. It's incredibly innovative from the part of Wisdom Tree, and it's just been a complete honor to be able to work with them to just change the landscape for investments in the future. We're doing this to build the the infrastructure of the future as well. But hopefully, yeah. hopefully things will work out. Let's see. So next question, what are your plans for the rest of the year or for the years after? You said you joined this company from State Street. You obviously trying to build it further. So what's the ambition level here? Are you going to take on State Street at some point? Hey, who knows? Who knows, Rudy? Right now, they're a shareholder, they're a partner, and they're really helping us build the the next evolution. But as we move forward, I, I'm looking at a security to become the infrastructure provider to the state streets and the likes in the uh, the industry. So that is the for the 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 first step. We're working really hard to build the infrastructure in, around digital DeFi. I'm sorry, institutional DeFi. It's digital by definition, but institutional DeFi to really also progress the ability of creating more peer-to-peer and decentralized trading in an institutional way. And what I mean by that, it's it's got to pass regulatory scrutiny. It's got to be safe and secure. And we're building these building blocks through compliance, through data. And, and it's very exciting to be able to look in, in that direction. So we're at the beginning of our journey. We still have many markets to conquer, many companies to partner with, and many geographies to move into. The sky's the limit right now. Our focus is to put our products to market by the end of this year and spend a fair amount of time with our clients, helping them retool their infrastructure and reimagine what the future of their businesses would look like. We're in the middle of a funding round right now. So for me, this is novel. I've never had to worry about raising money, but here we go. They do tell you as a CEO of a startup, you spend a fair amount of your time raising money. I can vouch it's true. So we're going through that and we're having fun building a company that will really add value to the ecosystem and also help advance and make the world a little bit more equitable as we move forward. I know these are lofty goals, but we we do hope to live up to them as time goes on. All right. Makes sense. So before I let you go, I just have two easy questions. First of all, do you have a favorite business book or some other resource where people can learn more about tokenization or other topics that are dear to your heart in business in the business world? In the business world, I, was, I haven't stumbled on a good book on tokenization. But to be honest with you, our my, my best source right now is our founder, Dan Doney. He's just been amazing and sharing his uh, his thoughts on the topic. But I, what I can tell you, though, really, when I took this uh, this job, I went back and reread two books that I had read a long time. One is the Lean Startup. I don't know if you've heard of that book by Eric Ries. Absolutely. 
And then the other one is Good to Great by, uh, my God, Jim Collins. And and I went back and uh, to refresh my memory because I'm finding you read these books when you're in school and you go, oh God. But it's funny when you do try to put them into practice, they uh, they make a difference. But on the level of tokenization, there is there's lots of good blogs out there. I would give the Citibank report a read. It's a long read. It's on their it's on their website, but I would encourage you to download it and read it. And did you mention security? So that's that's an added plus. Um, that tend to leverage the internet quite a bit to uh, to get information on tokenization. Wonderful. And also we are aligned on the book side as well, because Lead Startup is what I preach to all my learners in other courses I coach. And same thing on Good to Great. I did a micro course on this on Emeritus Insights, which is a video mobile learning platform as well. Highly recommend both of those books. Absolute must, I think. And I did find that research already, and I'll put the link to the show notes as well from Citigroup. So that's brilliant. 162 pages, you're right, but I'm sure time time well spent. Last thing is, where, where will people find you? What's the easiest way to get in touch? I would recommend getting a hold of me via LinkedIn. I am very good at responding to all my emails. Please post a message on LinkedIn, or you can you can get me at nadine.shakarsecurency.com. The corporate filters sometimes block things, so I would just post on LinkedIn. would love to hear from anybody that's interested in learning more about tokenization. Fantastic. So good luck to you, Nadine, and security. Really really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.